0: Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala and Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petruccelli.
1: Oh, are we on? <laughs> We're on? We're on.
2: We're on. We're on. Oh, wow. So- Welcome, everyone, to the Great American Collectible Show. Tom Zappala, Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petricelli. We have a really good show today because we've got some guests that we absolutely love. Uh, you can see their beautiful faces right now. Mr. Wonderful. From Heritage Auctions, our good friend, Derek Slash Grady. And another good friend, the head, well, one of the three heads of the National Sports Collectors Convention, Philly Show, CSA, our good friend, Joe Drelick. How are you, boys? Doing well. We are fantastic. Jeez, I hope yeah. we're not uh, keeping you guys up.
1: Yeah, no, they're like very excited. <laughs> oh my god! You guys sound like you both came from awake. It's well, it's like you've been waiting for half hour or so.
3: Yeah, that- just waiting a little bit here. <laughs> well, my fourth cough drop. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right, listen. We have a good show it's behind the scenes. We had some technical difficulties, so we're recording the show a little later. But that's okay. Really important <clears> though <throat> is you don't forget. Think- no, it no, wasn't me. Don't forget that you can listen to this show now on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Alexa, iHeartRadio, WCAP Radio up in Boston, all of those great podcast platforms. Siri, if you're driving in your car, say, Siri, play the Great American Collectibles Show. If you're on your bathroom toilet, yeah. you can say, play the, if you have your phone with you. Right, right. Right? Do you ever do that? Uh not really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't. No. All right. Never, about never it. Once, I'm thinking yeah. about it. All right.
3: All right listen. In my car, play the great American Yeah.
1: Well,
2: you can do that. You know, when you're driving down for you when you're picking up your, your million dollar consignments. Are you kidding? Sure. Derek, I gotta tell you something, man. How do you guys do it with the consignments <laughs> oh. that you guys have? And Joel, you can you can chime in here. It just, it's just—it's mind-boggling what your backlog is like. It's mind-boggling mm-hmm. the stuff that you get and the stuff that you sell. I mean, how how do you possibly accumulate all of that not cheap memorabilia and cards? How, how do you guys do it?
3: Can you a give- large staff? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like a large staff. If you you know see our Dallas office, it's like an Amazon campus at this point. By the DFW airport, you know, with all the categories under one roof. But, you know, in sports alone, you know, if you just go, I mean, I don't know whether we have thirty people, but it, it's that doesn't include marketing, it doesn't include shipping, it doesn't include, you know, customer service. That's a, those are separate departments shared by all the categories. But no, honestly, to process to bring in, we have, you know, I don't know how many consignment directors we have. Maybe we have, you know, over ten but you know the names here are you know there's a lot of significant names on the hobby people that were at other auction houses grading companies i mean we have you know i, w- I would say the new york yankees payroll
2: by you the know, way, in the, or the
3: Red Sox payroll, or the N. L. You know, By the way, whatever in big market. Team in is. a
2: little while, but we're that's, also going to be bringing in our good friend Lee Behrens from Sterling Sports Auction. Towards the end of the show, Lee's got a. He great, is a big
3: payroll too. <clears throat> yeah, him. Lee I see, think it's just but, him. You know with his, with his, he's the the big salary cap and guy. And that's
2: there. that's why we wanted to bring Lee in because I mean, obviously, Lee is not heritage, but you guys both have your niches, and it works. It really works very, very, very well. And by the mm-hmm. way, we're also going to be doing another Gax Moment in a little while. Yeah. Uh, Rico loves to watch my Gax Moments.
1: Oh, God, <clears throat> I can't wait. I really, I mean. Uh, what was the last one you liked? Well, two years ago. <laughs> I started it. Well, they I just want started. Yeah, he can't name one. So Joe, he hasn't I, I, <clears throat> Joe, you do what, six, eight shows a year?
4: Yeah, well, Philly between show. Philly and Chantilly 6, and yeah, Chantilly. three, three, three down in Chantilly and, and I mean, three in Philly. That, yeah.
1: That's got to be a lot of work. A lot of work, my goodness. I mean, we've been to the to the show a few years ago, and then there's now the National, and uh, yeah. I mean, you got to have a pretty big staff uh, uh, yourself. Absolutely. Are, are you doing you, it full-time, Joe? I mean, are you doing other stuff
3: besides... He works as an engineer full-time, and then he does this on the side. Now, of course he does this full-time. Well, you know, he's got his, he has his own little business, too, where he's… These was- are major trade shows. I mean, Joe, speak to That's where were I mean. we, say, but when you first got involved with the Philly show to now. Or, you know, even yeah. whether… Let's talk about… I'm more familiar with the Philly show because I've been doing that for 20-some, 20 25 yeah. years, right? Where five years ago, seven year, you know where it was maybe at a lower point to where it is now to where you, we literally have dealers complaining about their, the lines for the bathrooms are too long or you can't get to the concert. I mean, the, the, there's so many people, you That's know, amazing. Friday to yeah, Sunday. hundred percent. And, you know, prior to getting
4: involved with, with Dave Hunt who, who's still, um, you know, a partner in the show with me, um, I was set up right there with you, you know, for many, many years. So, yeah, I mean, 2018, um, we were over at the Valley Forge Casino, uh, as you know, and uh, 54,000 square feet, about 150 or so vendor booths, and, um, you know, things were not uh, anywhere near like they are today, you know, we were, the show was actually struggling, um, you know, quite honestly, it was, it was reflective of the industry a little bit, but also, you know, that particular show, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, had just sort of lost a little luster. And, um, you know, we, at that show, before I got involved, there was about 40 empty booths. Um, so that, that put it around 110, 120 booths, uh, two tables per booth. So you're talking about a 200 table show. And fast forward to to now, through a lot of hard work and, and good luck with, uh, you know, the hobby and, and uh, the resurgence, you know, now we're. Over at the Greater Oaks uh, Convention Center, which is just six miles away from the Valley Forge Casino, we're in a hundred thousand square feet, so we basically doubled our footprint. And um, we're going to have uh, this coming weekend at our next show over five hundred dealer tables. So, it's
5: unbelievable! Wow. Yeah,
4: enjoyed ha- tremendous growth. Joe, yeah. you have a March show, correct? Yes. This, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: we are we are re- we are working on Mister Petracelli. And uh, as you and I spoke and Rico and I spoke, we're working on Mr. <coughs> Petroselli and JM, John Mallory, uh, maybe flying down to do the show from there. And,
1: uh, you know, you talk to, about that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, absolutely
2: yeah. You can do a little signing. You can do the <coughs> show. You and Mallory, I'm sure, will screw up what? the show. But oh, that's yeah. okay. Uh, I mean, there's no, no problem there.
1: It's, uh, you know, but uh, to me, it, it's both – guys are amazing. I mean, you've seen the growth, you know, that the the, uh, the industry cuz my concern has been the industry seeing it grow. And even now with I mean, let's face it, inflation's high and a lot of people struggling and all that, but this the industry is still going strong. It's going unbelievable. I mean, it's great. You know, it's it's uh, it really is it's it's amazing.
2: You know, I want to ask you guys both and Derek will start with you. I mean, obviously I have been a collector for many, many, many years, um, been writing for many, many, many years. There have been some amazing uh, innovations in the in the hobby. I mean like really, some big innovations, technology, all of that. but there's been a lot of problems growing with the hobby. We've talked about the whole modern versus vintage thing, Derek. No, I understand that. But your thoughts on how the, the whole hobby has evolved over the years and some of the changes you've seen. Derek first.
3: I mean, I still, you know, you have to say the pandemic had a lot to do with it, which goes against every logical thought. I literally thought when there was a pandemic and they were shutting down the country when we couldn't go anywhere, one of the last things people would care about are baseball cards or sports memorabilia. And it literally went in the opposite direction to where we've been hiring like crazy at Heritage. The collector, there are more collectors now than ever. There are faces, if you just go to trade shows, it's always been one of my barometers is talking to the trade show promoters and i happen to be good friends with several of them joe being one of my closest friends and jimmy ryan who runs the the white plane shows and he's partners with joe at the national and other local show promoters and that the attendance is through the roof faces you've never seen before people that are you know beginning collecting people that collected in the 80s or 90s and then stopped and then during the pandemic, I don't know if they went into their attics or their basements and they started to collect again. Mm-hmm. They went back to their parents or their grandparents' house and they found their cards and they started to, as opposed to just selling them, they started to collect again. We're signing up so many new bidders at, at Heritage. And I'm sure Lee Barons will be able to speak speak to that at Sterling, how many new bidders he has. So the hobby somehow during the pandemic, I still can't put my finger on it, why that increased it, why that increased the business. I would think.
1: You people, know, people went online. People, the hobby. I, yeah, maybe America, that could be I mean, You know, people went online more, and they spent sp- more say, time. Gee, I'm going to, you know, go to Heritage see what's happening there, and so on, and then maybe some of the yeah. But they found but,
3: collectibles again, and I think the yeah. last dance. I mean, so many people. They that documentary couldn't have been put out at a better time. Everybody was home. I have talked to so many women that have watched it, kids, adults, older people. Every every. You know, ethnicity, everybody has, has watched. I mean, I swear, everybody I know has watched The Last Dance. And that felt was a new resurgence on Michael Jordan and, yeah. and sports in general. And I think even these, I think I see what Joe's bringing in, the, the athletes, the lines for these athletes to buy signatures is at another level now, too. I mean, the Joe's just packing the place. I mean, and, and so the show promoters are bringing in I mean, again, why wouldn't they? And, and these these athletes aren't cheap either. I mean, Joe would be the first one to tell you that. I it's mean, and the Hall people of are paying, Attempts, yeah, they're are bringing in ones. Hall of Famers. They're bringing in cult heroes, people that should be in the Hall of Fame. You and, know, and yeah. Joe's bringing in local Philly people, are, you know, athletes, and the lines for these people are, some are guys crazy. I in the 60s 70s. mean, sixties
1: and seventies. <laughs> Hold on. Did and you so hear that? Hold on. Did I, I you hear what he just long, said? So
3: go ahead, Joe. What Joe's created did, the did, did, you the the hobby here? did
1: you catch what Petruselli just said?
2: He just said what? and I hope you're bringing in guys that played in the 60s and 70s.
3: He does. Joe definitely They're, they sign for free by the way. Rico. Joe always has them on like Friday night for free. Joe, I so want sign for free. I want to follow up on the
2: same question but add something to it. Derek is talking about the pandemic. We've had a huge influx in the hobby over the last several years of young collectors. Does the pandemic go hand in hand with this influx of young collectors, in your opinion, Joe?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that the resurgence is post-COVID. So, um, yeah, I I definitely think um, it's a combination of the sneaker market also got hot, you know, right around that time. And there were a lot of crossover younger guys that came in from that community. They liked uh, the liquidity of it, you know, and the ability to buy and sell. Uh, And then they also, by nature of, of youth and, and, you know, access to uh, online uh, social media. uh, I think those, those things, you know, play a key factor in it, you know, and, and I, and I think us as humans just in general, um, Realized, you know, sh- shows became uh, in vogue again very quickly because we we were all cooped up for such a long time. You know, we did we did realize that we wanted to interact, and and uh, I've always been a believer in in um, in person transactions. You know, there's just there's just something about the art of the deal making. Um, it's one thing to have the beauty of of sitting on your couch at home watching a football game and scrolling through eBay or or Heritage or you know an online platform to look at collectibles. And and then there's a whole other, you know, avenue and way to just be in person with people that, you know, with people that you don't know the hunt, you know, for the item. Um, But, you know, back back to the younger guys, you know, I I, so many of them remind me of me, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago when I was was doing the very same thing. And so was Derek. You know, we were attending these shows, buying and selling for either profit or for our own collections. And it hasn't changed. It's the same. You know, it really is. They have more uh, tools available to them as far as value goes, and they can they can figure out. But I think that that's the technology aspect of that has been a, a major enhancement in the liquidity. You know, I I, I think even though, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the downturn in the market or or prices going down or bubbles bursting in basketball cards. Um, all in all, you I would really have thought
3: really- that some of yeah. those people would leave. I believe when that crash happened. We would lose a lot of those collectors, and I have not seen, especially even at the Philly show, any less modern collectors. They took their lumps, they right. invested poorly, the market went down, and they're just shifting to other things. They didn't chase anybody out of the hobby. That's what I find. Mm. I was worried there'd be a resurgence, and when that bubble burst, a bunch of people would flee, and that's, well, that's what happened been the in the case. past. Yeah, that's yeah, what's happened. Yeah. What yeah. Derek. I think But you're I think right. there's real liquidity.
4: Now. Yeah, I you know, think- I think there really is. Even though the market's lower, I think with technology, there's real liquidity. People understand that, you know, whoever the flavor of the month player is, whatever sport it's in, there's still a price for that guy, and it may be a fraction of what it was, but it's still liquid, and and it's different than a lottery ticket, or it's different than betting on a sports game because. That's a zero-sum game, right? You either win or you lose. And if you lose, there's a zero. Uh, But if you take a gamble on a modern player that's performing and it's performance-based, you're still not to zero unless the guy has, like, a career-ending injury or something horrific happens, like a Wander Franco situation. Wander Franco is actually an interesting one, not not to get off-topic here, but, you know, from a technology side, you know, Obviously, we're going to see what happened with with everything, and and everything's going to shake itself out in the in the the social uh, status of of what has happened and the accusation uh, accusations that are there. The point being, from an investment standpoint, there are some people that are jumping in because the guy is such a fantastic ball player, and and if by some chance, you know, this stuff. Isn't true, or whatever the case may be, they're looking at it as a, an opportunistic Yeah, move, I can see you know? that. And
2: technology yeah. allows you. To I, that, I can see that they're buying. So. They're buying basically. They're buying a penny stock right now, hoping that it becomes AT and T, which oh, is right. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing That's wrong with we that. We talk about. Yeah.
3: And you control your own. And it's your. You're the one making the decision, so you can blame nobody else. A lot of people were up on. You know, we're up throwing, You know, what you could make people are making money hand over fist. And so I do think some people took that for granted, how easy it was to make money. And then they held on too long and saw some of these cards just crash. Good point. But they know it was their fault. It was, like Joe said, the liquidity is incredible. There's so many places to go to sell. We are so chatting. Websites.
1: Yeah.
2: We're chatting with Derek Grady from Heritage Auctions. Our good friend Joe Drelick from... CSA, the National, Chantilly, uh, Joe's Variety Store, you name it, he's with it. ECM
3: Sports.
2: Exactly. But right now. Oh, you're not going to do the little. Oh. (laughs) Right now, we're going to do our segment on deck with Rico.
1: Really? Your questions answered on deck with Rico Patricelli.
2: Okay. I thought, it was, so I thought you were going to go right into it. That's All right. It's time for our segment on deck with Rico brought to us by our good friend Brian Dwyer and the great staff at REA Auctions. Don't forget to get your bid in by going to RobertEdwardAuctions.com. Yeah, yeah. That's Robert Edward Auctions for Extraordinary, <clears> and I repeat, <throat> Extraordinary Service and Results. You know, Rico. there's some interesting. This is an interesting question that I can't see right now. <laughs> what the <hell> is it? <laughs> About two and a half. There it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. He this to look at him by Well, no, actually, this was submitted. I actually I gave him my copy. This was submitted by a gentleman whose name is Tony Fiorino. Very good question. I've never asked you this question. He was at the 550. Uh, no, he wasn't there. That <laughs> <laughs> but he gets a free T-shirt. He gets a T-shirt. Oh, that's right, yeah. All right. Uh, so here's the question. Number one, did you? Don't say yes, no, yes. I'm going to re- lay it yeah, all out. Go ahead. Did you chew tobacco? Did you chew sunflower seeds? Did you smoke?
1: No, Either smoke. one of those. I didn't straight. smoke. I chewed tobacco some for a while. How long? Uh, a couple of seasons. Not every day. I mean, geez Did you ever swallow it? No, I swallowed some of my high school coach gave me a plug. Tobacco. Try this. I'm chewing it, and I oh, I got so sick. <laughs> oh, God almighty. But not, not with that. I would wrap uh, gum Bubble Gum around In it, the pros it.
2: They all do that In
1: the pros Yeah a lot of the guys do that And then uh, of course Don Zimmer He was uh, he, She is <laughs> But uh, what's the other part um, Wait Wait wait, wait Go ahead To
2: the chewing tobacco How many guys Like on your 75 team How many how many tobacco chewers
1: were there uh, uh, Three or four That's it Five maybe Teon, You know How many smokers Yeah there was uh, There was some uh, smokers uh, Yaz Yaz would come in uh, In between innings Doug Griffin, a couple of the relief guys, in in '67, they they really didn't smoke in in the runway or anything like that. But they, you know, outside they smoked, but not not many. There really weren't many.
2: And by the way, guys, chime in here if you (laughs) want to add to the questions. What about sunflower
1: seeds? Yeah, sunflower seeds. I went to sunflower seeds right when I managed. This was after I retired, right? So eating sunflower seeds. Those bags are this big, and you probably went through three of them. I mean. A game. Yeah, a game. You know, you're getting nervous. Could you throw a handful in your mouth and be able to spin them out oh, one at a yeah, time? Oh, yeah, it was great. But what happened, I gained like five pounds, maybe more. <laughs> what the hell going on? The salt. The <laughs> that salt. Good. Oh, my God. I was having so much salt, and I, you know, and and uh, <laughs> I gained weight. I said, how the hell is this, how is this happening, you know? And it was from the salt. Well, obviously, you never lost. They do it now because guys might have chewed some tobacco, stopped. And the the, the worst thing is the one in the oh, sorry skull and all those. Things. Yeah. but well, that's very dangerous. All right.
2: Listen, uh, we're going to take a break. We are chatting with Derek and Joe. We're going to take a break. When we come back. Another Gax Moment. Hang in there. We'll be right back.
5: Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardcode.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information.
1: This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection.
0: Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks... It has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest. Because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices.
1: How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609 487 8003 or check them out at gameusebats.com. Okay, we are
2: back. Joe and Derek. East Coast Sports Marketing and Hunt Auctions are pleased to present. The Philadelphia Sports Collector Show, the Philly Show, from Friday, September 22nd to Sunday, this coming Sunday, September 24th, held at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center, Hall B, which, by the way, Rico, was at 100 Station Avenue, Oaks, Pennsylvania. You ever been there?
1: Oaks, yeah. Oh, yeah. Many times.
2: You're full of crap. Shop over 300 of your favorite hobby dealer boots on over 1,000 square feet of sports collectibles heaven from the 1800s to present day. Major sports auction houses and third-party graining and authentication companies are on hand to assist your collecting needs. The Philly Show is family-friendly and all kids 12 and under – Get in for free. Ooh. Autographed guests include one of your old pals, oh, yeah. Pete the
1: Hit King Rose. Ooh.
2: He was a hell of a ball player.
1: You're not kidding.
2: Baseball Hall <laughs> of Famers Jim Tomey and Pedro Martinez. And 2023 inductee Scott Rowland. Basketball legend Dr. J Julius Irvin, who, by the way, he and Larry Bird had some great battles, and Allen Iverson, and many, many more. For more information, go to phillyshow.com. Remember, since 1975, the Philly Show is where it all started. All right, it is time now. Hold on. Look at, look at, look at the close-up on me. Nice. All right, it's time now for another GAX moment. Brought to you, each week, by a good friend Paul Borges and P.B. Collectibles, your neighborhood card shop. Go to PBcollectibles.com to find that special card or piece of memorabilia. All right, this is my opinion. I didn't speak to any experts. This is just research that I've done. Four underrated cards to invest in if you have the bacon. First thing that I always recommend is go to the PSA population report. If you're gonna invest in a card, take a look at the card. At the very bottom, you're gonna see the uh, analytics. There's all kinds of graphs that shows what the card sold for uh, at a PSA 2, PSA 3, 4, 5, 9, whatever. What I typically do, because maybe because I'm cheap, but I've always had luck, I go to the pop report, I look at the graphs, and if I'm gonna invest in a card, I buy the PSA graded card just before the big jump because I have found out that I've had luck. So if if there's something that has a big jump from a three to a four, I buy it at a three. But if you're going to flip the card, you're wasting your money. So in my opinion, four underrated cards. Number one. As you can see, the 1980 Ricky Henderson Rookie Card, number 482. Now, this card has been up and down. Uh, this card has picked up a lot of legs over the last several months. But this is a good card to invest in. If you want to flip it, you're wasting your money. Hold on to the card. Uh, that card has gone from a couple hundred bucks to six figures. Nice jump. Just hold on to it. But keep in mind, and Derek, uh, later on, we're going to talk about this, um, there's a lot of fakes out there, so you have to be very, very, very careful. My second recommendation, kind of an expensive card, but I still think it's a hell of an investment. The 1951 Bowman Mickey Mantle. Listen, no matter which way you cut it, this is his true rookie card. Uh, still expensive. You're going to pay eight or ten or nine thousand dollars in poor condition, but it's a, again, I am, I am confident that it's the type of card that if you hold on to, don't try to flip it. Hold on to it as part of your portfolio. It's a good investment, it's a good investment. My third choice, the 1947 Bond bred Jackie Robinson portrait with the facsimile auto. Now this, in my opinion, this card is part of a 13 uh, 13 set collection. This card came out in 1947, as far as I'm concerned, this is his true rookie card. Even at a low grade, you're going to pay some, some, some dough for it. If you can find it in a PSA 3 or 4, again, hold on to it. The big jump is, I believe, from a 3 to a 4, four or, I'm sorry, 4 to a 5. So if you can buy it in a 3, 2, 1, whatever you can do, whatever you can afford, invest in the card. Uh, again, this card can go from a few thousand to five figures, and again, in my opinion, this is his true rookie card, not the 48 leaf. I know a lot of people are going to take issue. The last card I know I'm going to probably get some flack on. But this, if you look at the look at the numbers, this is a very underrated card. The 1915-16 Sporting News Babe Ruth pitching for the Red Sox. Now, it's a very expensive card, uh, as our friends at Heritage or Memory Lane, our auction houses can tell us. But... If you compare this card with the T206 Honus Wagner, you're gonna see some some distinct differences. There are about 60 T206 Wagners. There are 121 or so 19, 15, 16 roots that have been graded. A T206 Wagner in a one or a two is gonna cost you a million and a half to two and a half million dollars. A PSA one in this Babe Ruth card with the pitching for the Red Sox is going to cost you upwards of four, or five 500000 maybe, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Point being is that if you take both cards based on the amount that are out there, there's about a 15 to 1 disparity in the price of both those cards. So in my opinion, if you have the iron that you can spend, or the bacon, this is a good card long-term to invest because I still think, even though this card is, is greatly appreciated over the years, it's a great investment if you can afford it. And that's another GAX moment. Okay, let's get back to our guest. Mr. Mr. Gray, you have that perplexed look in your face? But we're not going to talk about it. And Joe Drelich from uh, the National Chantilly, uh, all of that, uh, all of that good stuff. All right, I want to get your opinions, guys. <laughs> I know you guys, you guys, have both have a look in your face, but I'm liking that. Uh, <laughs> we, we've just been here a long time. I know you, <laughs> Derek. Uh, can we bring up that image, Chrissy? Do we have that image? We have an image, Joe. Of Derek Grady. Now look at this image, Rico. This is an image of Mr. Grady at I believe it was Heff's house. And wow. This is Derek Grady, your friend, Joe, your friend, with Slash's hat. And I'm assuming that's his guitar. Correct? That's a
3: slash used guitar and slash's hat. From yes.
2: Guns N' Roses. And that is your friend, Joe, Mr. Grady, doing a killer riff to uh, which, uh, which, what song was it? Sweet Child of Sweet Mine. Sweet Child of Mine, which is a classic. Uh, awesome. What are your thoughts on that, Joe?
3: Joe can't even know. see the image because I can't I see Oh, I image. know, I but he's.
2: you will image. see the image when the show starts. When you, you, I think it's fantastic. I mean, why, you know, why not? I mean, Joe,
4: I'll first text of all, you a Guns N' Roses. Roses, is there anything better from the 80s uh, slash 90s than Guns N' Roses?
3: No, I mean, There um Slash steals the show. I've seen him like, man, on this new tour over the last few years, I've seen him like five or six times and Slash steals the show every every time. Well, you're, I'm there to see Slash mainly.
1: Rico, what are your thoughts? many uh many, many, uh, uh, cards of music you know the musicians are that cards they you know, have- Joe,
3: didn't they make like pro set had like a crappy product in the 90s i don't even know what that stuff's worth
4: yeah yeah, yeah just- for, for sure there's there's got to be something out there because a lot of that stuff has resurged like we were talking about earlier um, but i i'm not i don't have my finger on the pulse of it but I would imagine
2: there is a slash rookie card. I'll tell you what. You know who's there got some cool. Who's got some really kind. You know, uh, uh, Derek. I think you know Bobby Livingston from RR Auctions. I think mm-hmm. you've met Bobby. RR Auctions. You know, everybody has their specialties, but one of the things that they really do well in is uh, music, in, entertainment, uh, 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 collectibles. I'm talking pictures, instruments. They have some really, really cool stuff, and I've been I've been over to their their auction house. It's right up here in New Hampshire. I mean, some of the stuff that they have is incredible. And our good friend Mike Hefner has one hell of a collection, doesn't he, Derek? Of guitars?
3: Yeah, no, he has a great. I mean, his his entertainment collection is pretty. So I just sent Joe a picture of me. With, right. And that's Char- that's uh, Charlie Sheen with Slash in the background in that portrait. All
2: right, so, Derek, I mean, well, so, Joe, now we can yeah. have your true thoughts.
4: <laughs> well, first off, I didn't know he was a lefty. I'll say that. I didn't know Derek was a lefty.
3: I didn't either. I just picked up the guitar <laughs> and started playing, so I don't know what I am, to be honest. I just, you know, and, started sh- and And
4: I'll, I'll be honest, the, the hat looks... It looks odd. It looks like it's placed there.
3: It doesn't even. look I know. Like, it's, it's like no. Um, doesn't look a real. Like it's, yeah. yeah, he has a smaller. I obviously have a you know a large brain, so my head's a little <laughs> bigger. Or you can think of another reason my head's bigger. But the hat doesn't fit me well, so I tried to get it on as far as I could. Um, Lee is it signed? uh can't see the picture, so he, uh, he Lee will see it when the, show, well, when the show when the show is it signed. On.
1: Yeah. Is it
3: what? Is it signed? Is the hat signed? No, it's um, not. I don't think Kef loves ever. You know, look, he'll he'd take it signed, but he has a Eddie Van Halen guitar. But that was in a case. I was locked up. Otherwise, I would have grabbed the Eddie Van Halen guitar. That was super cool. It's, the collection's amazing, and I was there, so I I decided I had to pose for a a picture, and uh, then I put it on Instagram. See when Rico when Rico was, was young. empty
2: bottles around his that's good, that's good. When, when Rico was young, uh, young, his his version of uh, Guns N' Roses were the crickets, right?
1: <laughs> oh, you wise guys. So what, what are your thoughts no, on I Guns Still, N' Roses? Good. I mean, they were excellent. But I like that uh, that photo. I think it's a great photo. But uh, do you do you actually play the guitar?
6: No. no, no, I have okay. absolutely no, no, no
1: a, talent that, uh, whatsoever. But that's good. So, baseball cards is something my talent. you like, and uh, why not? Huh? We, you know. well, I was just posing
3: for a picture, a picture for Instagram. Babe Ruth that's all.
1: When I played, you did but, not. No, right. I have a question getting back to the collections. What if somebody has a bunch of cards from all different uh, years, not, not so much vintage uh, comments? Yeah, anywhere for you know, I uh, say the sixties to the forties. Yeah, oh whatever. Like, should they get them authenticated? Good question. Should they get them all in thought uh, authenticated, or are there some no. that might
3: no? Be, so we were yeah. the experts there. We would yeah. go through grading is a value added service. Not every card is worth getting graded, you know. And now that the grading companies are under twenty bucks. You can grade, you know, there's still a lot of cards you shouldn't grade based on condition from the 60s. You know, commons that are VG, VGX or X or what a regular collection is going to have in it. Threes or fours, you're not grading them unless they're 52 high numbers or a tough series or star cards. You know, there's still, I mean, grading used to be, when I was at a grading company, I mean, you're talking to get cards graded for seven bucks. I mean, grading over the last few years is was as high as eighty bucks, and back down to forty. Now they're finally under twenty, um, but it's still an expense, and it's a you you got to be very careful of consigners that when they think they can go to you know PSA or SGC directly, and they you know get excited to grade a couple hundred cards. There is nobody that thinks their cards are ever. Um, overgraded they always think they're undergraded or they always think the grading company you know everybody thinks their cards might be near mint when they're actually VGX or X so you know, they, look well,
1: at- just the follow-up can they can they because uh, I, I, I came across a gentleman uh, uh, texted me and they have he has a bunch of cards a collection from somebody <clears throat> and he wanted to know you know should I send them all to get graded <clears throat> Would he, would it be uh, worth it? Um, not only worth it, uh, say to send the cards to you or and say, so you would pick out which one should be graded. That's a tough one, though, yeah, isn't we, it, Derek? Not, yeah, we, uh, did we did do, do this
3: as grading experts here. I have a staff that goes through the collection, makes different lots. Very rarely, unless somebody has, you know, a handful of T206s or something where we would grade every card. We don't even grade every T206. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's just not worth it to even pay 15, 20 bucks to get every card graded. So odds are you would not grade every card under any circumstance. Yeah. All right. Unless now, you just had a collection of Mickey Mantle cards. Then right. You might want to grade every Mantle card.
2: So Joe, I'm going to ask you this question. Then I'm going to ask this question to Lee when he comes on. Um, Joe, as someone who it, it was in the business, is in the business, but had your own own business, um, you know, with the cards buying and selling, do you recommend cards that cannot be graded? Let's say they're VG to excellent commons from the 50s, 60s, 40s. Do you recommend something like eBay, selling them raw on eBay or packaging them and like in a lot of eight or 10 or 12 on eBay?
4: Yeah, typically for low, you know, lower grade stuff like you're like you're talking about. I mean, the, the way we've always formatted those is is in group lots, you know, uh, by particular brand or year. You know, that that's the way I found the best success. And to your point, you know, we, we have been selling on eBay for many years, and we even think it's a better to to not put duplication in there, like, so to make it like almost like a starter lot sure. or starter set because it. Mm. It seems to to turn people off if there's duplication. you know if they know that they can get twenty or fifty or a hundred or a hundred and fifty different from one particular set, that seems to be the best way. and you know when when we did that we don't we don't really sell that way anymore. We sell more individual graded cards on ebay uh, but but to that, speaking to that, we always did it uh, we try to keep the grades similar too you know we wouldn't put x mint cards in with VGx cards or you know, we always try to keep uh, the grade consistent. Uh, mm-hmm. That way, you know, you're hitting a sweet spot mm-hmm. for, for somebody that's building a particular style set.
2: Now, Joe, we were not able to get your image because of the technical difficulties that we had. And I know you're a collector, but there was one, you sent me an image. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that image is and who it was and who you bought it from?
4: Oh, you're talking about uh, from my own personal collection? Correct. Yeah, so so yeah, I had sent you guys uh, an image. We were we were talking about kind of you know uh, some of our, our collecting habits and stuff, and and I thought it would be neat to because I don't even think Derek knows that I have this piece, but it's a it's a 1972 uh, college yearbook of Walter Payton's teammate, and um, it was given uh, to Heritage by by him, consigned uh, by Heritage to him, and it's uh, it's signed by Payton in 1972. It's um, At the time, in in 2014, when I bought it, it was considered, um, you know, one of the the most iconic uh, Peyton signatures out there, one of the earliest. I don't know if anything earlier has surfaced. But the interesting thing was he signed it, and I'm going to have to read my notes here because it's such a big signature. He signed around his picture, Spider-Man Peyton, Walter Monk Peyton II, Columbia, Mississippi, (laughs) um, which is is a super cool um, autograph. And, you know, being from 19... um, Seventy-two. Obviously, he didn't go into the NFL till seventy-six. So that's that's kind
2: of one of
3: the things that I like in my collection is early signature stuff. Uh, I think that's very cool. Very cool piece. I didn't know you had that. That is that's that's cool. I think I saw a picture of it and I was like, that's really cool because he signed all these nicknames and what his buddies called him, and that's you don't see that stuff. Hey, before
2: before we take a break, uh, we're going to bring Lee in. We have an, well, I'm not going to say we have an announcement. Joe, you have an announcement. It seems as though the voters have won. Why don't you tell us about the 2026 National. Is it going to be at Fenway Park? Drum roll. No,
4: no, it's not going to make Fenway. So we'll just put that to bed right away. Get that. (laughs) No. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's one of the things we're happy to, to announce and, and, you know, kind of part of our team, you know, one, one of the things that we wanted to do was just kind of, you know, be a little more transparent as far as, you know, how the process works for the selection for the location, for the national. And um, we had a fantastic uh, voter turnout. So for, behind-the-scenes type of stuff, you know, the, the way it's worked in the past is the voting for the location for the National was always done um, by paper ballot. You know, you, you were mailed that with your dealer packet, and then it got mailed back in. And um, one of the things that Jimmy, Brian, and myself thought would make the most sense was the process for picking your dealer booth happens every year at the National, uh, you know, on Friday. Uh, by priority, you pick your dealer booth for the, the next city. And location, so we added the element where you actually voted right there when you picked your booth. So that helped our voter participation exponentially. Like, I can't even tell you, but it went up. huge. Huge. Massively. No, we we had the highest voter turnout ever uh, for the location. So with that being said, uh, the three cities finalists were Atlanta, Atlantic City, and Chicago. This is all for 2026 location because we picked three years out. And Chicago won the vote. So we made that public knowledge, I believe, yesterday um, on uh, the NSCC uh, social media platforms. Uh, So for the next three years after 2024 will be Cleveland, of course, and then 25, 26 and 27 will be uh, Chicago Rosemont. Think,
2: Think about Gibson's baby. Think about Gibsons. Yep. Gibson's Steakhouse.
1: Gibson? Oh. Gibson Steakhouse. Gibson Steakhouse. Gibson
2: Steakhouse. is the only guy in the history of Gibsons that ate that whole strawberry shortcake. I did not. eat <laughs> the whole thing. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Lee Behrens is going to be joining us. Uh, the four of us, we're going, to, we're going to commiserate. We're going to talk about the difference. Obviously, there's a difference between Sterling and there's a difference between Heritage, but they both have their customer base and strong niches. Hang in there. We'll be right back.
5: Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, Their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on their tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden Auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards go to Leland's.com and get your bid in that's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades
7: it's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else heritage auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of heritage auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today.
0: Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, We will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices.
6: Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at petrocellimkt.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petrocelli Marketing, where no dream is impossible.
1: For your next uh, project, give Petrocelli Marketing Group a call at 800-264-4294 or go to their website at PetrocelliMKT.com. That's it? That's it. It's my kid. My wait, oldest
2: son Wait He's a second, these, these Gax t- sh- jerseys, they're beautiful We got them from him oh, hey,
1: They have all this, got everything actually.
2: You know, Joe, just <laughs> FYI, before we get to Lee You may want to talk to Petroselli about the Philly show, National CSA Because he told me that they would be more than happy to donate a half a million Petroselli <laughs> marketing pens That you can give out at the show to when people walk in
1: Would you be interested in that? Pet Marketing, I mean, we'd have his logo on there. Can, can we hear Joe?
2: No. Sure,
4: sure. Yeah, no, I'm here. Yeah, yeah no, no. We, we need pens all the time. You That's what You know, the door prize tickets, you know. We'll, can, take, we'll take all the pens you got, Rico. Send them down. Can we'll, you, can you we're happy some, to market for you. We'll co-brand.
1: Can huh? you pull some strings? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He'll send you 10. No, no, no. I'll, uh. <laughs> all right, let's bring in
2: our good friend, Lee Behrens from Sterling Sports Auction. Mr. Behrens, how are you, number one?
8: Yeah, and thanks for having me on again. You know Joe, and you know Derek. Der- Derek, he seems to like tag along every time I'm on the show, so
3: <laughs> I do. Yes. I'm, fo- I'm a follower.
2: That's what it he yes. is. Hey Lee, <laughs> I'm a I want to be of
3: Lee Barons before so. we
2: before we get into the into the the, uh, the auction. Um, I want to ask you the question that I asked Derek and Joe. Now you're a much smaller company than Heritage Auctions, so <clears throat> how do you do it? With the question that Rico asked, with collectors sending in raw cards. Instead of sending in one, would they send in a lot of them to you from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and then you decide which ones you want and send the rest back? How do you typically do it?
8: Yeah, since the grading fees have gone up so much in the last three or four years, I probably do 10% of what I used to do sending out to grading, just because, as Derek mentioned, we have a reputation we can sell rock cards as is right and they they sometimes outperform the graded actual graded cards so to have the added expense of the grading and and the grading seems to have gotten much tougher than it was in the past so it's it's just really like he said it's it's disappointing nine times out of ten all of a sudden what comes back I thought I'd used to know how to grade pretty good, and I was always considered pretty tough. And this stuff is coming back, you know, less than that. So it's kind of got to the point where, you know, I'll just run them. You know, yes, there's some cards you need to go get in and get graded, but I'll run, I'll run a lot more cards raw. Than I did three or four years ago. That I would have always sent off previously.
2: So if I send you a lot of twenty-five cards, and three of the cards, a couple of Hall of Famers or well-known players, what do you do? You if you would have pulled those three out to get them graded, would you sell the remaining twenty-two as a lot in an auction?
8: It, it's kind of I kind of do like what Joe said. you, you kind of theme it up. I mean sometimes you have to put it in the quote-unquote shoebox lot just because you want to sell everything and some of it doesn't make any sense by itself. But you try to find a theme, whether it's by team or, you know, year, company. Find a theme to put it together and it helps to get a little higher run for it. And Joe had a lot of good points with running lots and stuff. I mean, if you can do them without duplicates, that definitely helps.
1: But would you guys put... A non-graded card in an auction? He does. Oh,
8: I, I constantly saying? do. Yeah, okay. uh, and it's a much higher percentage. Like, if you go into the current auction right now, there, there's T206, Cy Youngs, Johnsons, uh, hmm. all sorts of them. But you know what? They're par fare. You're not going to get anything but a 1 or a 1.5. Right. And you're not going to get any more or any less for it by spending the grading fee.
2: Well, keep in mind, though, yeah. you know, keep in mind, and we're going to talk about the auction in a minute. <clears throat> keep in mind that, you know, there is a big market for in, the, in the collecting world for those types of cards because with all due respect to Derek, and again, with all due respect to Leland's and Memory Lane and the rest of them, a lot of people... Can't afford. Again, we've always called it the eighty twenty rule. A lot of people cannot afford even that PSA two Cy Young T two hundred six. They can, you know, they may be able to afford it it as a raw card and spend maybe a thousand dollars less. So there is a definite niche for that market. As a matter of fact, when I first started collecting. 30 years ago, I was buying raw cards like that because I couldn't afford PSA-graded cards at the time. I just couldn't. But anyway, let's talk about the auction. What are some of the highlights, Lee? Uh,
8: some of the highlights we got, uh, one of the kind of cool cards is a. Uh, it's the 1951 ringside panel with Rocky Marciano, which is a short print in there. That a uh, little pop. We have a um, pop 2. Uh, A very, it's an all-star baseball package, Frank Chance. We have a a nice variety of T206, uh, ever popular Johnson portrait, pitching, raw graded, Cy Young in a four. This one's kind of unique. Hopefully you can see it. It's a variation with a comma after the N instead of just a dot. Uh, tougher variation. Uh, who is, well that? Is, it, is that? Is that?
2: Who is the player? It's Rube Mark. Mark. Oh, okay.
8: I couldn't Hall see. Hall of that. Famer.
2: Yeah, good pitcher. Good pitcher. Uh, oh.
8: Really nice. Uh, 34 Gaudi, Gehrig. Now, what's That's the grade a, on that card? It's a 3.5, but it, it's a beauty. I mean, it's it's one of those cards that I don't know why. It definitely should be stronger. Got a couple Jim Brown rookies. Uh, one PSA, one SGC, uh, fifty nine tops football set, uh, and once again, the auction is full of high grade, low grade stuff. I mean, there's eight nines and tens in the auction, and there's your poor fares, so it really covers the whole gambit oh. of collectors what they can fit into.
2: You know, we've always said that yeah. that there's there's such a niche. Uh, you know, it's. Guys like you and guys like uh, uh, Scott Russell uh, from the Collector Connection, this, the, the 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 you know the card shops or the card dealers that are your size are such an important part of this entire hobby. Uh, Derek agreed.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I also know, and Lee does a great job. And and the main thing is too, and I'm I'm sure. Lee stands behind his cards. The key is, is when you're selling. So another reason some auction companies have to grade everything that they sell, we can sell raw T206s. We we have graders here. And if we make a mistake, we stand behind it. You, there, are, there are a lot of cards that were trimmed in the 70s, in the 60s to fit in photo albums. Didn't have to be for nefarious you know reasons. They just did it to put in photo albums when they were a buck a piece or two bucks a piece. So you have to stand behind. There There's cards with color added, white out on corners. There's black marker on 71s. There's all kinds of different alterations, you know, erasing to make a card better centered. So I'm sure Lee has to be very careful when he sells a card that they may send it away to a grading company. And if it's, you know, measures small or there's a different edge on it or you can see, you know, color added, you, you know, you have to you know, you have to stand behind your product you sell. And we do that at Heritage every you know, in our Sunday sales, we have more of the hundred dollar, five hundred dollar, thousand dollar lots under, you know, under a couple hundred bucks where we do sell raw cards in lower condition, maybe a handful of T206s. You know, um so that is a reason. But to my point is why some other companies have to get stuff graded or why collectors will want them graded. They want to make sure with the grading company, you have that. It's in a holder. They're slabbing it. They're saying, here's the grade. It's authentic. If nothing else, good whether point, they got the grade right with, or wrong, With autographs, right, point, uh, absolutely.
1: Terrick, Especially with autographs, you know.
3: With autographs, right. you definitely want to use uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I'm not an autograph authenticator. I'm pretty good at some of them, but I am nowhere near – sometimes I, we get something and I'm looking at it, I go, oh, that's not going to pass. Yeah. And it turns out to be a super early rookie Willie Mays signature that looks – demonstrably different than what he signed in the last 30 years. Yeah. So you know that's what those experts like Kevin Keating and you know the, the other guys like Jimmy Spence, mm-hmm. you know Steve grad and those guys they they know what they're doing. I do not know autographs. I know cards. So technically is Lee's point, I mean I don't have to send you know the reason I send out high grade cards for grading is simply because graded cards at the registry bring more money than selling them raw. But, as Lee said, there are plenty of cards that will sell raw just as good. And it would be interesting if, you know, I don't know, like when Lee, Lee you can speak up here at any time too. Are you talking, can you sell that Gehrig? Now, you said it was undergraded. I don't doubt that. We, we've got Say about card, a minute, guys. Would you grade it VGX if you were selling it or would you grade it, a, would you grade it X or VGX if you were selling that raw? What would you grade it?
8: Well, in what I was going to make a point of, I normally don't apply grades. I I describe cards. But to me, I don't know why it wouldn't get at least a VGX. I think it'd get a little stronger. I mean, each of the corners are touched a little bit, and there's a centering issue. Do you
3: think if you graded that? Everything is so strong. So I don't know, and this is where I feel like we can get close. I don't know where that number would be. Is it five grand or is it five hundred? But if I sell a Garrig raw and graded VGX yeah. uh, versus yeah. a PSA four or an SGC four, how you know how much different would it be? I still think it's worth paying the grading fee on mm-hmm. Garrig, Ruth, Cobb, etc. But I'm I'm curious where that's gonna. I'm glad to see, though, more people selling cards raw. If you, again, if you know what you're doing, Joe knows how to grade cards. We're going to have to, Derek, we're going to have to continue this discussion. We are out of time. Uh, did I start hogging the. No,
8: that's oh, okay. No. okay so Lee,
5: just, when is
3: your auction in? Just so push a button and I go. Fun. Uh,
8: Thursday, September 21st. I got to get the initial bid in by 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to get in an extended bidding. And once the extended bidding starts, the 15 minute rule applies to the whole auction. Not just the items you bid on,
2: and your website address is. And by the way, that's tomorrow night that it ends. Your website,
8: Uh Sterling dot Mister
2: Drellick. nice. Your website, yes, sir. I mean, well, you got about four hundred websites. <laughs> what were your key websites?
4: <laughs> this weekend, phillyshow dot com. phillyshow dot com on the twenty
2: fourth. ECM- you can see Derek and Joe there. Sports dot com too. No.
3: E-C-S-M,
2: ECSM. ECSM I screw that sports up. marketing. All right. Yep. Everybody Mr. leaves out one letter. I know that. Mr. Grady, you're <laughs> going to be at the Philly show, correct?
3: At the Philly show. Yep. All right. Do me a and favor. We'll be displaying stuff coming up in our auction. And also, we have an auction ending next weekend, Friday and Saturday, for our big September card auction that's online right now at HA.com. Go to sports.
2: HA.com. Nice. All right, guys. We're yeah, out of time. It's great, it has been such show. a pleasure. We love you guys. You know what you guys mean to us. I think you guys all get it. You understand what we're all about, and that's what it's all about, fun and the hobby. Would that be Uh, With that being said. on the mail, Joe.
3: They're going to pay us for this. Lee,
2: Joe, and Derek, have a great week. And to our viewers and listeners, happy collecting.
3: Thank you. Thank you.